from the Urology Center of Iowa. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Station 106.3 KXNO as we take you until noon. Bottom of the hour, Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports, where he and his colleagues cover the Big 12. Off to Houston, we shall go. You know, this is probably the last time we'll hear this in 2021. Well, I want to have Snyder on to kind of recap and set the scene for the off season. So, right. can we maybe play it one more one time? One more time? All right. I think Not we can do that. Too much? No. I'm, I'm even, I've, we haven't even asked Matt Snyder yet if he can right. join us one more time. He might be on vacation next week. Maybe. Well, be. are you going on vacation, Matt Snyder? You're going to change your plans to appear with Trent no. and I next Tuesday. Yeah, no, I'll no, I'll be good to go. I mean, I'm not going to pass up the opportunity well, to hear that. Talk. That's what I so. thought. <laughs> good stuff. So uh, off to uh, you've, um, I hope you packed a big suitcase. You've been on the road since the series yeah. started. I want to go back to Sunday night, Grand Slam, right? Building's got to be just bonkers. When did you get the sense, you know, amongst the fans that they started to maybe get a little squirmish in their seats a little bit that, oh, my God, maybe this thing isn't going to end tonight. When did you get that sense that the fans in the building were starting to, you know, get a little worried? Um, well, it was after me, I would say. I, I When Bregman doubled, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, in the second, he right? was often, yeah, yep. when he doubled in, in, in then they got the ground ball that cut it to four two. I just thought, man, the Astros' offense is a sleeping giant. Yeah. I but I don't think that. I think even after that, you know, Freeman hit the home run to go up five four. I don't think it was until it probably got to nine five until the fans there okay. were like, uh oh, yeah. So I, it, I think the fans there were confident for a long time. Speaking of that confidence, it's Atlanta and the heart of the city, if you will. Biggest blown lead in Super Bowl history, 28-3. An NBA team that's never won anything. When they had a hockey team, they've never won anything. That kind of psyche. (laughs) Which I'm glad about, by the way, because they're the Jets now. (laughs) Right. The psyche of all of that, how much that plays a role. You think back of Boston and before what they've come really the last two decades, kind of what it was, and it felt like you could feel that at times inside the building. Did you ever get that sense, just that, impending dread that was going to happen because we're Atlanta. We always find a way to lose. After the game, yes. Mm. Uh, I, when I was walking back to my car, I had like a – I figured out – I figured out it, it was best to get back to my hotel room if I parked like a 10-minute walk away and then I had like a two-minute drive instead of in the parking garage right next to the stadium. <laughs> that would take like 45 minutes to wait. Um, and But so I was walking amongst the fans and – after games three and four, it was just jubilation. Just this is the best thing ever. And after game five, I did hear a lot of, "I can't believe we're going. This is going to happen again. I can't <laughs> believe it." So, yeah, 
Interesting. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Matt, let's talk about the pitching matchup tonight. The starters, Max Fried, whose last two, and he had a great year. Um, it's, it's hard to criticize him. His last two have been subpar based on his yearly uh, performance this year against Luis Garcia, who I think is he's found something here, whatever they figured out with him, uh, though he got hit uh, pretty hard in his last appearance. But Fried Garcia, is there an edge starting pitcher-wise in this one tonight? I'm not sure that there is. Uh, it's you would think that it would be Freed because he is the better pitcher, but he gave up what five runs last time out, and I, I know that it, it was he got hit hard in the second inning, and a lot of those hits were ground balls that found holes. But the Astros are going to be seeing him for the second time now, and they eat lefties for breakfast. Yeah. So I just I, I feel like they've seen it, and he's well over his career high for innings pitched in the season. Um, I, I feel like they're they're going to be on him. So it feels like with that, you know, you push forward and, and you look at this and the potential game seven that we'd have. It's obviously all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. Things are built differently. Unfortunately, there are no Jack Morrises that are going to go out and throw 10 <laughs> shutout innings game. anymore. Oh. And beat a guy who went nine. Yeah, who wasn't too bad at himself. But <laughs> it's a different game. What does a, let's say we get there, bullpen usage is quote-unquote normal tonight. What would a Game 7 look like as it pertains to the pitching on both sides? Great question. Well, the Braves have a lot more clarity because Ian Anderson. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you figure Anderson can go five or six mm-hmm. or so. Um and then they would probably try to go with their lefties, Mentor, Matt, Zick, Smith. I just wonder if those guys are really exhausted by now. On the flip side, the Astros, <laughs> it's probably going to look just as just as tough. Um, who will start Game 7 for them? Uh, I guess it would be... You kidding? Yeah, coming back on short rest Maybe. and try to get two innings or, out of him. He, he went in relief. Yeah. Uh huh. So would it be a throwing uh, day for him? I don't him? know. Yeah. I, I don't know what they would do. Maybe they'd go Odorizzi and and go with a bullpen <laughs> game. It's Grinky. I hope so. I got the Braves. Four, but he went four <laughs> innings in game four. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what they would do. Christian Javier would get good length. Um, it's they're going to see him emptied out. Well, uh, you know what, regardless... You might have to say advantage Braves. I think so, too, especially Mm -hmm. with Ian Anderson. You know, and I I bet the Braves, I'm hoping we get to... We have to figure that out tomorrow because I want a Game 7. Yeah. Uh, Because, man, this this series... You know, was maybe Game 5... I'm not going to say that the series up to that point has been devoid of drama, but it hasn't been... There haven't been a lot of... Am I missing some edgy or well, we got the back-to-back home runs in game. We got that was huge. That was huge. Good point. That was yeah. game four, right? Friday night? Yeah. Yeah. That, that would have been it. That would have been four the most. would have been great. Right. Yeah. Um, but this is other than that, it's been a series that's really been devoid of those moments so far. Before the back-to-back home runs, there had been zero lead changes. Wow. Hmm. Um, so, 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 yeah, like I yeah. – I always love being here, and I always love the games, but I think you, objectively speaking, you could say even through Game 3, even though it was like one nothing going to the 8th before Travis Darno hit the home run, it still wasn't that exciting because the Astros never had any traffic. They didn't even get a hit until the 7th inning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it wasn't exciting until toward the end of Game 4, but, man, Game 5 was exciting. 
Dusty Baker makes the decision going into Sunday that they're going to flip around the lineup, drop Bregman down to seventh, and he'd been struggling. He got a big hit in that game. That decision, though, and just Dusty in general. You've had an opportunity now to talk with him a lot, I'm sure, during this World Series and hear him talk and speak. Just what it means, a baseball lifer, to have this opportunity and, and to be, well, now two games away from winning it all. Do you feel like there's a lot of people in the baseball community that are rooting for Dusty and still pushing those buttons, going old school? Yeah, we're not going to just look at numbers. We're going to flip the lineup around. Feels like an old school decision. Absolutely. And uh, Dusty's a baseball lifer. He's he's such a good guy. He's you, you I mean it, it's to the point that the narrative of of people not liking Dusty Baker and thinking, "Oh, he ruins all his pitchers' arms." It's just so old and it's so far in the past. And I, I wish that the majority of fans would get over that too because if you've ever met him and you've ever spoken with him, there is not a person who's ever met him who would say a bad word about him. He is one of the best human beings that you will ever meet. And uh, if he gets his ring and he rides off into the sunset, it would be glorious. I know it flies in the face of the the Astros as villains storyline because for so many people, they are villains, but they have Dusty and that, that kind of balances it. Uh, I'm sure you'll get to vote on this as a media member working the series, the MVP, and and you know it's obviously games. What what happens tonight? If it ends tonight, is going to have a go a long way into determining that. Has there been? I mean, is there? Uh, say it's the Braves because we have to at this point. If they win tonight, um, would it be would, uh, Darno? Is he in the conversation? Riley in the conversation? Who's been the MVP of, of the Braves up until this point? Oh man. Uh... Yeah, it, it might be Darno. He's had some big hits. Looks, Riley's had Riley has good numbers, but it, 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 almost all of it was last game, and they lost last game. Uh-huh. Um, I, it, it, you know what? It might come down to what happens tonight. Yeah, I think because so too. it's all the Cubs fan in me is always going to rear my head, right? I think about Ben Zobras being <laughs> World Series MVP in 2016. There's no way he had that thing until right. he got the big hit. Right. And then once he got the big hit, it clenched it. Yeah, good point. Game five, three hours, 41 minutes. That is what we've had average now, including the four hours. It was longer than that. Was that all it was? I thought it was like four. Well, it was four hours, right at four hours for yeah. game five. The average is three hours, oh, 41 average, minutes gotcha. okay. of these games. So we talked about this at the end of last hour, Matt. Pitch clock. It's going to come at some point. It's It's going to get here. With the impending labor dispute that's going to be happening here, doesn't make sense. Let's get this thing on the books because I saw these numbers. Matt, I'm sure you know all of them too. Go back to my favorite year, 1991. Average length of game, 2 hours, 49 minutes. Mm. Go back to 1981, 2 hours, 33 minutes. Mm. I understand there's more TV, commercial time. I get all that. But we are now at 3 hours, 10 minutes for regular season games. It has to happen Will it happen by the time we get to 2022, a pitch clock in Major League Baseball? I sure hope so. I, I really, really hope so. I mean, you don't need so much time between pitches. We need to make the hitter stay in the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need a pitch clock. I, I, I don't think we need as much time for commercials. I mean, I, honestly, I'd throw a split-screen commercial on there okay. and just cut down on the commercial time. If it's that big of a deal yeah. that you need to make this money so desperately – which, by the way, I don't think they're hurting for money right. because I got to tell you, every single time I walk by one of these MLB shops 
in the ballpark during the game. The line is like 75 <laughs> people deep. They're making an absolute killing on these games. Yeah. But if they do think they need the money so desperately, I would say we can cut down on one commercial in, in every break, and you can throw a commercial on split screen during a pitch at some point. It's, it's not going to be the end of the world. The fans will deal with it. We deal with ads on every article we read, on every YouTube we watch. We can deal with a split screen for one, for one pitch per inning. Uh, you know what I think? What I'm seeing more of, and maybe it's just me. Maybe it's that this isn't the case at all. And I don't know if this has ever been tracked. You know, going back into the '80s and the '90s, it seems in baseball nowadays there's more eight pitch at bats, eleven pitch at bats, twelve pitch at bats. Yeah, I think they, I think they do work deeper counts now. Right? Yeah. They I must. Think, I, I think that's part of it. Yeah, I think that's part of it. But I, I don't. I don't think that's anything we need to try to police. Right. I think that's just better baseball that's just guys knowing how to work a better at that mm-hmm. and uh i don't have a problem with that at all do you think was was that ever tracked in the past i mean i as much as baseball does these um, things i don't ever recall, recall seeing i don't that. either yeah i don't i don't think uh yeah if you go back on baseball reference at some point there's there's a point where they don't have pitch count mm-hmm. like we we hear right. the lore about yeah the, Nolan Ryan throwing 250 pitches, but we don't actually have the data. So there, there's some point that we don't have that. So I don't think we can track that. Gotcha. There you go. There's an off-season assignment for you, Matt Snyder. Figure yeah. out those numbers. Uh, go through, <laughs> watch all those old games, count the count pitches. pitches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. So, Matt, uh, mentioned the imp- impending labor. We've talked about this, I know, a lot throughout the summer as we look forward. What are some of the big sticking points? What are going to be the hurdles for both the player side and the owner side to get over to get a deal in place? Um, I, I think the biggest one is that they need to figure out compensation uh, when it comes to service time, and that's teams stop manipulating service time. Mm-hmm. You know, the biggest case that everybody's, everybody's mind would be Chris Bryant. Uh, stop manipulating service time. And just say when a guy's ready, he's ready. And in the pre-arbitration years, are the guys going to make enough money? Because one thing that has happened is, even back as recently as Albert Pujols, he has made as much money as he should have in his career. It was just when he was young, he didn't make enough, and then when he was old, he made way too much. Well, they stopped paying guys on the back end now. For the most part, you still get the Bryce Harper contract, you still get the Manny Machado, but a lot of the other guys. They stopped paying them huge on the back end. Now that that's stopped, the players are going to say, okay, you need to start paying me on the front end. Why does Ronald Acuna Jr., when he's one of the best players in baseball, make $650,000 a year, where he's worth $25 million? So there's going to be some disputes, I believe, on the pre-arbitration and the arbitration years. Makes sense, Matt Snyder. Well, Matt, uh, what do we think is going to happen tonight? Do we get a Game 7 I think so. Yeah, I, I just I feel like uh, first of all, there's no such thing as momentum in baseball. Right. But <laughs> I feel like it was only a matter of time before the Astros bats woke up. Yep. And once they woke up, I think they're going to hit again. And they eat lefties up. They're seeing Freed yep. for a second time. I know Freed's rested and he's good, but he's way past 
however many innings he's thrown in previous years in his career. So I think they're going to be freed up, and I think we're going to get a Game 7. Yeah, the last two starts have uh, been unfreed-like, if you will. Last thing, and I don't know if you can quantify this, better baseball town. You've been in both of them, Houston or Atlanta. Was there more oh, buzz? <laughs> Is it Houston? Uh, I, I, I'm, I don't want to get into better baseball town. I will just say, for real, uh, both have been exceptional. Have they? And I actually think that since the pandemic shut down, it seems like crowds are way, way more electric now. They've both been off the charts unbelievable. That's good. Well, both of their football teams stink, so <laughs> <laughs> makes it easier. Yeah. Indeed. So yeah. Uh, if your schedule allows, and we'll reach out, uh, we can you know recap the series. Looking forward to the uh, the hot stove league, if there will be one, mm-hmm. uh, with the uncertainty uh, during baseball this year. But Matt, listen, thanks for what you've done for us uh, all season long. We hope we can recap it with you uh, next Tuesday. Okay. Thank you, Matt Snyder, CBSSports dot com to you. read them. Thanks, bud. Take care, Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. One of the good guys in the world. Yeah, and uh, enjoy our conversations all season long. And big thank you to him for really being every, with us every single week. week. Yeah, he was at the All Star Game, mm-hmm. covering the World Series. Uh, that's good stuff uh, for us. Selfishly, I got one more. Uh, as I was talking about those numbers, I was talking about that minor league. I, I found the numbers I was looking for here, though. That went with the pitch clock. This is what they did. This was in a low A league this year. The pitch clock was 15 seconds with the bases empty, 17 seconds with runners on, Mm -hmm. 30 seconds between batters. That's another big one. Get those guys in the box. Let's get going. And then in between half-inning breaks, we're 215. It'll be a little longer when you get to Major League Baseball. So nine-inning games without this pitch clock, and they still had the 25 or 30-second one that they normally did, were three hours and two, uh, two minutes. With the pared down pitch clock, down to 241. Basically shaved off 21 minutes each game just with this pitch clock alone. Mm -hmm. It seems like a small one. Mm -hmm. There's still going to be commercials. It's probably not going to get down to that 241. But if you can make the average time a game in a regular season 245, and you're going to get some games that are 225, that's a good thing for the sport, ultimately. I think it is, too. On the Trent. TV set. I, I'm with you. And when, when we first started talking about this, I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it's entertaining. What do you, what do you, want, to, what do you want to pare it down for? But I've come around. I mean, I've come around a lot. Um, look, they're still making the money hand over fist, mm-hmm. right? And the players are making great money and good for them. Get as much as you can. Uh, so, and you've got to pay for that somehow, and that's commercial, just like us. I mean, if you've listened to this radio station in football season, the breaks are a little longer. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, July is a little bit different than October. Sure. Yeah, June, we're back in two minutes. <laughs> um, October, November, not the case. Right. So so I do get why they're doing it. Anyways, we'll come back. We're going to talk Big 12 with our friend Matt Postens. He's coming up from Heartland College Sports, but right now it's time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword BILLS to 200, 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. BILLS to 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, to Miller and Condon, we're on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Is KXNO. Trent Condon here to tell you about Rent Estate, the new revenue rocket ship. Putting your home up for rent, not for sale. But why would you do that in a seller's market? Just do the math. Selling a home will catch you some cash once, while renting a home keeps that cash coming month after month after month. And because there are always renters, but not always buyers, Rent Estate is foolproof, recession-proof, 
and retirement plan positive. What's not to love? The hassles of being a landlord? For one monthly flat rate. Renter's Warehouse will take away the tedious tasks. Tend to your tenants, answer the 3 a.m. calls, market your property, and collect the rent. Make the savvy, long game, paradigm shift and choose Rent Estate with Renter's Warehouse. Get your free rental price analysis today. Go to renterswarehouse.com or call 515-528-4429. 515-528-4429. Because you can't buy happy... Trent Condon here for the Urology Center of Iowa. Now's your chance to sit on the couch guilt-free all weekend long watching football while you heal after your vasectomy from the Urology Center of Iowa. The doctors there perform my procedure in less than a half hour. Make the call to 515-400-3550. That's 400-3550 and online at iowauro.com. A guilt-free football-watching weekend after your vasectomy.com. Do you remember the time that Michael Jordan won the first of his 3 P championships? It's been a while, but the answer is 1993. Do you know when Wolf Roofing started roofing houses? That's right, 1993. Wolf Roofing has been around for a long time. For your next roofing project, put the experience of Wolf Roofing on your side. Find them on the web at wolfroofing.net or give them a call at 515-225-8866 or online wolf.com. Are you missing out on life's activities because of hip pain? Ask your orthopedic surgeon about anterior advantage hip replacement. To learn more, visit aahip.com. That's aahip.com. The performance of hip replacements depends on age, weight, activity level, and other factors. There are potential risks and recovery takes time. Only an orthopedic surgeon can tell you if hip replacement is right for you. To find an orthopedic surgeon in central Iowa that uses anterior advantage hip replacement, go to a off now back to miller and condon on 1460 kxno and 106.3 fm here's ken and trent hi welcome back miller and condon the moines sports station 106.3 kxno time to talk to our friend matt postens covers the big 12 at heartland college sports also covers the Cowboys at the Cowboy Maven. That's part of Fan Nation. If you don't mind, Trent, I'm going to start there. All right, go right there. Because this Micah Parsons is something. Oh, man, he, he is, is unbelievable. <laughs> uh, what a rookie they have got. Uh, in um, I mean, clearly he's the favorite. Although Sertan's had a nice year. Parsons has been better. What have they got in this kid? Well, I think they have a guy that can, you know, he can play in the middle in a four three, he can play as a pass rusher in a three four. He can play as a you know outside linebacker in a four three. I think they knew they were getting a versatile linebacker when they drafted him. I, I think the thing that has probably taken them by surprise is just how quickly he's been able to, you know, integrate himself uh into their scheme. I mean usually with a rookie if you can get them to do one thing really well in an NFL defense, you feel pretty good about it uh, by the end of the year. But this is a guy that can move around the field and just seems preternaturally able to read what's going on and make big plays. So when you consider what he's brought to the defense, when you consider what Trayvon Diggs has brought to the defense in his second year with his ability to create game-changing plays, and the fact that you know Randy Gregory, too, has had yes. a fantastic year rushing the passer. I mean, they, they now have playmakers that can create havoc on all three levels of their defense. And that's something that they have been sorely missing the last two or three years. One more on the Cowboys, Trent. Is that okay? Mm, of course. 
They are America's team. They are America's team. Um, is Dak Prescott going to play this week against Denver? Are they tempted to sit him? Maybe not until Kansas City. Um, I mean, we saw the Cooper Rush era. era. He was really good. He was well, not really good, but he, he was, was he was okay. Uh, what are they going to do this week? Does Dak play if he's ready? It sounds like he's a full go if he's ready. Gotcha. Um, there's been there's been nothing to indicate here locally Monday or Tuesday that they have any intention of holding him out as long as he doesn't have a setback. So uh, Cooper Rush had a nice game. I, I was thrilled for him. You know, whenever you have a backup quarterback come in and play the way he did, uh, you're always happy to see that. I saw him play in college uh, way back in 2015 at Central Michigan. I was actually covering an Oklahoma State game, and I thought back then, hey, this is a guy who's good you know, huh. carve out a career for himself in the league. And here we are four years later, he gets his chance. And, you know, I think he's a free agent after this year. So if uh, the Cowboys don't want to keep him around as a backup, there could be options for him elsewhere. Let's get into the Big 12 now. And I want to start with TCU and Gary Patterson, a guy that has a statue, a guy yeah. that without him, TCU is still in Conference USA, maybe the Mountain What's West. left of it? Right. I mean, it's... He completely changed the fortunes of that football program, but over the last four years, seven and six, five and seven, six and four, and three and five this year, they asked him to hang around. He said, go blank yourself. Up yours. (laughs) Right. He was done with that. How did it go wrong? How did it get to this point, though, in your mind with Gary Patterson, a guy that is recruited pretty well in comparison to the next tier below the Texas and Oklahomas of the world? Yeah, well, if you look at the four years prior to that, they were one of the best teams in the conference. They came, you know, within a, a hair of getting into the first college football playoff. And yeah, if you look at the last four years, the difference is quarterback play. You know, when they were winning 10, 11 games a year, they had quality quarterback play. They had guys that could uh, roll in the scheme that they put together. You know, Gary made a change about 10 years ago, going away from more of that, you know, eye formation approach, that offense into something that was more player friendly. And it worked because they had quarterbacks that could make it work, like Trevon Boykin. The last four years, they just haven't had the, the quality quarterback play that they had. And if you're going to be a contender in this conference, and you guys know this well, you have to have quality quarterback play. It, it just it doesn't work if you don't. And I think that's been the biggest separator for them the past few years uh, is just not having that quality high-level quarterback behind center. And there's only so much you can do uh, to mask that with defense, especially when your defense keeps getting banged up. So, you know, uh, you know, sometimes when you have a guy like Gary, you know, he, he did great work there for 20 years, but sometimes you need a different voice in the room. And it doesn't surprise me at all that he decided to move on when they asked him to stay because, you know, I've been around that program for a decade. I've, I've sat in on several Gary Patterson press conferences he does not strike me as the type of guy who, you know, once he's done with something, he's done with it. And, and, and if he's done with the job, then he's moving on. So uh, it's a shame because, uh, you know, he was a guy that I felt like he could stay there for the rest of his career if he wanted to. Uh, but um, TCU is moving on, and now we have two job openings in the Big 12. Indeed we do. I just had a, a question. Does, do, do you think Dugan stays there at TCU for his last year? Might he be a guy that looks around with the new coach coming in? Yeah, I, I think that's going to be something that that staff is going to have to do a lot of work on the next four or five weeks is to keep as many of those kids around yep. as they possibly can. Uh, you know, it, it'll depend on who they hire. You know, Sonny Dykes is a name that's being mentioned with both of those jobs right, right. now. I think it would be interesting to see if either one of them kick the tires on Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina. He's done great work there uh, over the past couple of years at the Chanticleers. 
For TCU, this is not a job where they have to go settle for a coordinator somewhere. They can go after a head coach. Um, you know, I hear Mike Elko's name at Texas A&M. He's a quality coordinator. You know, I think about the only coordinator that I would go after for a head coaching opening, if I were TCU or Texas Tech from out of state, would be Brent Venable at Clemson because mm-hmm. he's done fantastic work with that defense over the years, and he's ready to be a head coach if that's what he wants to do. Otherwise, TCU has the ability and the capability to bring in a head coach. They've got great facilities. They've got great support. Uh, they've got a great program already built in. They don't need to settle for a rising coordinator. Well, we had a little turmoil in the Big 12 race last week when I when Iowa State fell by the wayside to, to West Virginia. Uh, who? I mean, it seems like it's setting up now. It's either Oklahoma State or Baylor, and I know they've both got tough games ahead. Both of them uh, still have to see Oklahoma on their schedule. Who do you think is in the driver's seat right now to you know be the other team that shares Jerry World with the Sooners? Who's this? Who's this? Who's the favorite to get there other than Oklahoma? Yeah, I, I I think it's probably Oklahoma State. I I just really like how consistent their defense has mm-hmm. been all season. You know, they they knew they had Kansas coming in last week, and they they slammed the door fast. And they didn't just slam the door at fifty five points; they slammed the door with giving up three points defensively. Uh, I just I feel like that defense travels well. Uh, it seems to do a great job of keeping teams out of the end zone. Uh, I mean, the one game they lost to Iowa State, you know, it was still a close game. It was still a relatively mm-hmm. low-scoring game. Yep. So they're not giving up a lot of points. It's just a matter of whether or not they can, you know, get their offense to the point where they can score enough. And right now they're scoring just enough points to win games. I, I don't see them beating Oklahoma in the regular season, but I see them winning everything else moving forward and getting that second spot in the uh, playoff in the Big 12 championship game. Iowa State falls last week. Uh, let's get an outsider perspective here on the Cyclones. Three losses, three tight ones that certainly uh, left a lot of Cyclone fans scratching their head. The expectations coming into the season. How do you look at this Iowa State team and the program as a whole and what's turning out to be a disappointing 2021? Yeah, it is kind of disappointing because I think we all had high expectations yeah. for them given the talent they had and given what they did last season. Uh, I, I still feel like talent for talent, they're one of the best teams in the conference and that they can be competitive with Oklahoma and I Oklahoma State you. and Baylor. Uh, it's, it's, it's just one of those years where it just feels like, you know, sometimes when you have a really good team, sometimes the pieces just don't quite fit together or you don't quite get the break that you need. And that just kind of seems to be Iowa State's lot this year. I think they're going to end up winning, you know, eight games in the regular season, going to a good bowl game. I don't think their program's in trouble. I think if you look at their recruiting class coming in mm-hmm. next year, I think they've got quality players coming in that understand what to, what they're expected to do under Matt Campbell. Uh, he's got a steady staff. Uh, you know, this is just, you know, one of those years when you, if nothing else, the lesson here for, for that program is when the expectations are high, you know, I'm sure Matt Campbell will take a step back after the season and look at everything they did over the course of the year and see if there were better ways that they could have managed this. But I think it's just one of those years where you kind of throw your hands up and you go, they're a good team, but there are a lot of good teams out there, and not every one of them wins 10, 11 games and goes to the playoff. Mm-hmm. Fair point. You see, I, th- I think they can score with Oklahoma. I think that game's um, going to be a high-scoring affair and might be last touchdown wins. It has been a couple of times when they've seen the Sooners. I- Iowa State is still clinging. I mean, obviously, they have to beat Oklahoma, and then they're going to need some help from Oklahoma to take care of the Bears uh, and the Cowboys. Anyways, we'll see. Last thing for me, uh, Iowa State has Texas this week. Texas is a... 
a 30-minute team. I mean, they're a different team in the first <laughs> half than they are in the second half. How much heat is Sark starting to, or if any, it's his first year. I don't know what the honeymoon, uh, the length of the honeymoon is uh, in, in Austin. But, man, they're a different team in the second. Why can't they finish, Matt Postens? You know, I, I listen to Sark's presser every week, and I, I think he seems a little befuddled by it. I, I, I'm not sure he knows exactly what's going on. I mean, he's talked a lot about, you know, you know, this is not the first time Texas has struggled winning games and closing out games. And he's talked about, you know, building a, a headspace where these kids are reminded of what's happened in the past, but they don't dwell on it. Well, when you've done it three weeks in a row, uh, even the, even the coaching staff, I think, has to start second guessing themselves about what they're doing, and I, I'm not entirely sure if he's 100 percent clear on why it's happening. You know, he, he talked yesterday a lot about you know just keeping the kids that he has on his team in that headspace of you know keep working hard, keep working hard, keep working hard, and eventually we'll get over that hump. For me, if I look at their their last three weeks, their last three games, look at their second half. Teams bottle up the run. They force them to throw short passes on second down, and then they're in third and long situations that Casey Thompson and that team can't convert. They're basically, you know, they're basically making great adjustments on them defensively, and, and the Longhorns are not counterpunching. And I think they're going to continue to have this problem until they start counterpunching, and maybe start throwing the football more on first down. Maybe start, you know, getting Bijan Robinson out in space more on first down. Uh, but the formula that they're using in the second half right now just isn't working for them. We'll finish up here with a basketball question for you. We know you uh, cover the Big 12 on the basketball front as well. Kansas, the betting favorite. Texas right behind them to win the regular season crown this year. Overall, have you even started to dig into basketball yet? You got an overview for us of the Big 12 when we look to hoops. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you head to the site right now, we've got uh, our team previews coming this week, but we've got uh, our top 25 returning players, our um, uh, roster analysis, which is for sure a bit you know, dated now with Iowa State having lost three players yeah. since I wrote it in September. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I, you know, Kansas, I, I think at some point we'll have two different number one teams coming out of the Big 12. I think at some point Kansas and Texas will both be number one this year. Um, I think Kansas will get there first because they're the more complete team right now. I think Texas will get there later because they have so many pieces they have to try and put together in their front court. Uh, that it will take them a little bit of time to get the chemistry going. But between the two of them and Baylor, uh, it's going to be a, a, another great conference race. Uh, I think everybody improved themselves from a talent standpoint uh, with the t- transfer portal. Uh, I think Iowa State's the only one that kind of remained a bit static in terms of talent. But uh, you know, when you've won two games the year before, it's hard to get kids to come uh, to come to your school. I mean, Isaiah Brockington could have a, a huge year from a scoring standpoint for Iowa State just because he looks like he's our number one scoring option right now. Mm. And Cal Sherdock and uh, shutting kids down on the uh, defensive end of the floor. It's just going to be nice to watch him play some defense this year. Um, Matt Postens, Heartland College Sports. Matt, we'll look for the previews coming this week. Great stuff. We appreciate it. Uh, and we'll talk to you down the road. And, and uh, also good to talk some Cowboys with you as well. Thank you, Matt Postens. Hey, you bet. All right, Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports uh, joining us here as we wrap up the guest list for the day. Well, we're going to speculate when we come back. Mm-hmm. It is the television show that we look forward to. Well, one of us does. You <laughs> love this TV I show. I do love it. It's the For pl- people that are new preview. to our show, yeah, the college football preview show. That means nothing. 
No, I know, but it's fun to watch. It means absolutely yep. nothing. They lie. They don't tell the truth. They change on the fly. This gives us absolutely no insight in what's going to happen after the season comes to a close, and you eat this stuff up. Absolutely can't wait for 6 o'clock tonight into game number 6 of the World Series. We'll go on record next. I know Condon, his top four is anybody, but as uh, Reese Davis calls them, Team ABC is uh, Trent's favorite team. You know who that is? Mm-mm. Anybody but Cincinnati. Yep. <laughs> team ABC. And who was the one person all summer long that said if there was ever a team that could do it, yeah. it was this year's Cincinnati team. Where did they start? That's the key. Where seven. Did, they start seven. They're going to start they lower start than you seven, think. seven, man, that's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I got one more question for you on that, but we'll take the break. Get it out of the way. Come back and finish up the program. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. 1-800-BETS-OFF. Global Direct Mail and Marketing is the teammate your small business needs. Locally owned and located in Urbandale, Global Direct Mail and Marketing can help your small business create the high-quality print materials your business needs to succeed. Whether it's business cards, flyers, business forms, letterhead, calendars, or a mail piece to attract new customers, Global Direct Mail and marketing is ready to go to work for you today save by working with the local small business that will go the extra mile to get you what you need global direct mail and marketing call craig at 515-282-3000 and get your next project guys are you looking for an excuse to watch football all weekend long then schedule your vasectomy with the Urology Center of Iowa. The Urology Center of Iowa offers nitrous during your vasectomy, cutting-edge technology to help you relax during your procedure. Make the call to 515-400-3550. That's 400-3550 or online at iowauro.com. Vasectomies with the Urology Center of Iowa. And tell them you heard it on 2020 expenditure. Yes, football season is here, but baseball season is never ends. Victory Mounds is your ace when it comes to premium baseball and softball products and services. With portable pitching mounds and everything else you need for your indoor facility. Or help this fall getting your field ready for next spring and summer. Victory Mounds Field Consulting Services can help you improve the quality and playability of your field. Go to VictoryMounds.com and stay in the started today. Get in on the action with the world's largest sports book. Right at your fingertips. Circa Sports Iowa is where the pros play. Enjoy the highest limits, lowest takeouts, and competitive betting menus. Download, fund, and bet from anywhere in Iowa. Circa Sports Iowa. Sports betting the way it should be. Download your new bookie today. Visit CircaSports.com. Must be over 21 and present in Iowa to bet. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-8. The game all year long. Trent's Pick of the Day is brought to you by Circus Sports. Download the Circus Sports app today to play with Trent or against him. Hi, right, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Point Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Well, we've got Maction tonight. <laughs> got baseball game six tonight. Before we get into your play of the day, is Ohio State or Oregon ranked higher? Ohio State will be. I don't believe they should be. Well, they did have that head-to-head. <laughs> That should matter, right? You would think. I understand. If I think gets, Ohio State's a better team, too. I, I absolutely do. We're going to hear about eye tests. We're going to hear about yeah. game theory. We're going to hear about game control. And one way or the other, there's going to be an argument. How much does head-to-head ultimately matter? Mm-hmm. Ohio State has a loss to a good team. Mm-hmm. Oregon has a loss to a bad team. Mm-hmm. Should that matter? 
How much does head-to-head... If it's a tiebreaker, yeah. If it's two teams really tight, I just don't know if those teams are that tight. I, I don't think they are either. They were that particular Saturday. It was week two. Was it? Wasn't it that was. the same day as Cyhawk? Yep. Yeah, I think it was. Thibodeau wasn't even out there for Oregon. Yeah, that's true, too. He wasn't. He didn't play in the game. He was on the sidelines. Uh, all right, we shall see. So, so you've what do you got, got top four? Well, I've got I mean, Georgia one. Yeah. I think Oklahoma two. A team that was down 10 nothing at the half to Kansas. I know. I know. You're going to put it two. I'm going to put Why not Wake Forest? If you just care, care about undefeated, why not Wake Forest? Uh, Their resume is actually better. Well, Strength got, of record is better, one of the metrics they use, for Wake Forest than it is Oklahoma. In, but who would win? But that's not what this is about, is it? Yeah, but it's about the eye test. Because if it was about who would win, it'd be Georgia 1, Alabama 2 every single year. Yeah. One of those... Is Alabama in the top four? Yes. Yeah. I think they're three. It's not like Texas A&M's two and six. Right. Still a top fifteen Texas A right. and M team. So you have Cincinnati seven. Seven. This is the that that's the biggest reveal for me tonight. Yes. Is yep. where is Cincinnati? Because if they're at seven, where's Michigan State? Four? Three or four? Three or four. Alabama in the top four? It'll depend on them and Oklahoma in my mind. I think it'll be Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State. Who am I missing? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. What do they do with Alabama? I th- you I, can't put them fifth, can you? I think you can. <sighs> I think they will. Why? I think they're going to have the... If, if they are, you know who the, you know who's in. If they are, Cincy. I think it's the three unbeatens. Uh, I think it's the four unbeatens and Georgia. Aren't you boxing yourself in if you do that? Well, they just rip it up and change on the fly anyway, so it doesn't... Well, then we still got right. a bunch of head-to-heads coming. What's your play of the day before we run out of show? Circus Sports sponsors. We are going tonight to force a game seven. Okay. Maybe Houston. More than anything, it's not a great handicap. What is the money? Minus 135 at Circa. Minus 135 on the Astros. Mm-hmm. We'll lay a little extra. I looked at that extra minus one and a half, laying mm-hmm. the extra. I didn't love it. Didn't love it there. So we're just going to go straight money line with the Strohs. Any game in the Mac? Move your needle? No. Eastern Michigan, I always bet on. Yes, you do. <laughs> uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Murph and Andy at 1. The Fanatics at 3. Cyclone Insider tonight at 6. See you at 106.3.